Welcome to CPAC Now, America Uncanceled. I'm Mercedes Schlapp. Uh, just a few weeks ago, the uh, local Alexandria City Council, well, they held a pretty heated up meeting here trying to clear zoning hurdles for abortion clinics. Well, uh, one of my dear friends, a dear friend of CPAC's, Penny Nan, CEO and president of Concerned Women for America, she was at that meeting, she spoke at the meeting, and I want her to break things down for us to figure out what happened and what is happening at these local jurisdictions following the overturning uh, of Roe v. Wade. Penny Nance, thank you for joining me. Great to be with you. I, look, I, I was tracking this uh, issue uh, in the city of Alexandria. First of all, I'm, we're a resident there, but then our pastor from our church reached out to us and said, alert, this is what's happening. You went to the meeting. Uh, you actually got a lot of backlash. It was some really, I saw some cruel texts from people trying to hit you, know, hit you on this. Um, walk us through what is the city of Alexandria pushing, why these local jurisdictions are trying to force these changes in these zoning laws uh, to basically facilitate abortion clinics. Well, you're right, Mercedes. You know that any time that a conservative woman stands firm and stands up for life, the haters come out. And, of course, that was the case. But you know what? We're never going to back down. I'm so grateful to stand alongside you and Matt and, um, and other pro-life people who are just trying to lead on this issue. You know, we're all so grateful for the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And the issue, although it's still a federal issue, also got flipped back to the states because before we really couldn't put adequate limits in place. So we had many states that were able to spring into action and, you know, and, and limit abortion to very early or to limit it completely or right. at least within the first trimester. But then you have some states that went further. Virginia is a purple state. And in the city of Alexandria, even though there's two abortion clinics already um, in Alexandria that do abortions well into the second trimester, uh, the local city of Alexandria um, city council think that's, thinks that's not enough. They want more. In fact, they want Alexandria to be a abortion tourism site. They want people to come from other states and have abortions here. And so what they did was they changed the zoning laws. And, and the vote was about two weeks ago. Um, and they changed the voting laws so that you can now, in the city of Alexandria, place an abortion clinic in a commercial or mixed-use space that would allow any kind of like a minute clinic, you know, an urgent right. care. So the kind of place you'd go to get a flu shot now can have an abortion clinic. So moms who are coming back from a hard day work and got their kids with them from, you know, a soccer practice going into the local grocery store may have to walk past the abortion clinic and see these, these wounded young women coming out um, so fragile, so hurting, coming out of these abortion clinics. I mean, it certainly changes the neighborhood. It certainly impacts women, but it certainly, more than importantly, impacts babies and destroys human life. So let me ask you this. Um, you know, we know that this is partly, we, we had talked about this when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last summer. We knew that the fight was going to the fight wasn't over, right? This was going right. to be moving into the states, as you mentioned. It was going to be moving into these local jurisdictions. So the Alexandria City Council, they approved this resolution to protect, quote unquote, their abortion services. We also know that in many of these cities, 
Talk about, I mean, progressives. The, the liberals are the ones that control the city council, uh, which is in the case of Alexandria. When you showed up and gave your speech, I mean, was there any backlash in particular? Um, I know you faced backlash following that. You talked about the haters. I mean, I saw those texts. It was, it was pretty brutal. Yes, it was, uh, you know, vulgar and, and it's some of the worst I've ever received. Right. And even at the time, uh, I, you know, I gave a, a direct but polite uh, testimony, and it's not like a congressional hearing. I mean, yeah. you and I tend to do like federal or state politics. I don't tend to do local, but you know right. that this is indicative of where pro-life people need to be involved mm -hmm. is in the state and local level now. So when you're at a city council meeting, you give your testimony, it's over, and then they can say whatever they want. There's no give and take like there would be at a, a hearing. And so, uh, the, you know, the minute I sat down, one of the, in particular, and we put the video up, if you follow us on Concerned Women uh, uh, on Twitter, and also P.Y. Nance uh, is my Twitter. I think ours is CW4A for Concerned Women for America's Twitter. So we put out, I, I had to literally put up the video because um, it, it, the, the mayor, Mayor Wilson, was in denial of what I said. He called me a liar. It's oh, the minute I sat down. On the minute I sat down, one of the, specifically one of the city council members did. He said, you know, he didn't say my name, but he referred directly to my statement. It's lying, disinformation, misinformation, a twisting of the truth. I mean, throughout what he said, those words are peppered in and in reference to what I and, and also what other pro-life people said in our testimony. We were called liars. And, you know, it is the way that they work. They want to shut down dissent. Right. But I think what is so, and you know this being a, a resident in Alexandria as I am, our crime statistics are through the roof. Right. Oh, we're talking shootings. Yeah. We had a bank rob. Like, yes. we're going through a crime wave. Yeah. And what are they concerned about? They're concerned about more abortion clinics. Yeah. They should be concerned about the safety for children in Alexandria, but they want to abort more children in Alexandria. Yeah. You actually tweeted about this a couple days ago. Our city is experiencing a crime wave, but our mayor, uh, Justin uh, Wilson, is and the city council are worried about bringing in new abortion clinics. How about significantly increasing the budget for the overworked and underpaid? That would be the Alexandria Police Department. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, um, it's just, it, it, I think that what we're seeing in Alexandria is indicative of what's happening in so many of these different cities mm -hmm. across the United States where, you know, they're focused more on uh, defunding the police or focused more on abortion than they are in dealing with crime, I mean, you've seen, for example, uh, those images in Chicago where you've had Brandon Johnson, obviously the new progressive mayor in Chicago, um, basically owned by the teachers unions and blaming corporations for crime uh, that's happening in <laughs> their cities. I mean, up to what point uh, are we gonna see people say, look, we can't go down this direction of voting for these uh, liberal or progressive Democrats in these cities? I don't know when the wake up call comes. I think it is incumbent upon conservatives though to go into every neighborhood and have these discussions. And also pro-life citizens are gonna have to show up and speak yeah. and go to the local city council meeting. In, in Virginia in particular, what will change everything is if Virginia actually is able to, the, you know, conservatives are able to take control of the Virginia Senate. You know, we are a very liberal state. We allow very 
very late term abortion in Virginia. And the only limit, you know, Governor Youngkin tried to do a 15 week ban. I mean, you know, that's in the second trimester. Um, and even that couldn't even get out of uh, committee because the Senate shut it down. This, the mm -hmm. Senate chairman wouldn't allow it out of committee. So we elections have consequences. Yeah. So there's over 100 churches in the city of Alexandria. I sat there and counted them while I was waiting to speak. And, you know, I said in my a testimony is available. Um, we have it on again on our social media and our website. I said to them, there's over 100 churches. We, they don't tend to be involved in local politics, but they can be. This should be the point where we awake a sleeping giant right. and where they say, we want different, we want better leadership. And you know, there are pro-life Democrats. I want them to speak for it. In fact, joining me there with other CWA people were was um, these progressive anti-abortion uprising women. Mm. <laughs> and they have nothing in common, right. you know, me politically, except they are pro-life and they were very supportive of me being there, but they're more of the ilk of Justin Wilson and he had no respect for them. They just follow the science. They're not even religious. So it's time for us to join hands with people, especially in these more blue cities and blue states right. that we don't normally work with and come together and say, you know what? We want to protect women. We want to help mothers. And we are no longer going to stand by as you destroy babies. And bringing more abortion clinics right. into a city that has two uh -huh. is certainly not the answer to the ills of the city. What about it's for them. What, you know, they can wash their hands of a woman in trouble yeah. and walk away. But why don't we actually do something that helps them? Or an even better, bring in life-affirming centers where they provide support for these moms who might uh, have experienced an unexpected pregnancy or are feeling that they do not help, have the help they need. I mean, these life-affirming centers are pregnancy centers. They are booming in certain states. I mean, it would totally make sense to have those here in Alexandria and, and have more than just one. Uh, they should outnumber the abortion uh, right. clinics. But you bring up a great point about um, the churches and the role that they're gonna play. I remember when the same city council of Alexandria, they were pushing, remember Penny, on the mm -hmm. uh, a proclamation of like celebrating the day of abortion providers or something along yeah. that line. And it abortion was- Appreciation day. There you go. I knew you would remember. <laughs> uh, your memory's much better than mine. The, mm. um, I remember, and it was literally the churches, even the bishop uh, from, our, you know, from our diocese, they received thousands of calls, thousands of letters. I mean, it was a huge grassroots movement. And I got to tell you, organizations like Concerned Women uh, for America, like CPAC, that's what we do. We're the organizers of the grassroots that's across right. the country. And so I think having you be such an important voice in this is, is critical. Right. I know you've also been very vocal on this issue of protecting girls sports. Uh, we just saw the House of Representatives pass that legislation um, where uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe uh, took a, a leadership role in that and in introducing the bill. Um, obviously, uh, what's your sense of what could happen in the Senate when it comes to I know it passed in the House. What do you think can happen? We know that Biden had already said that he would veto it. Right. And he also is putting out, um, you know, uh, proposed rules. Right. To actually uh, undercut the ability for women. It would force his Biden's rules would force any school. Yeah. Any elementary school, high school, you know, university to um accept men on women's teams. It's, it's far beyond anything we've ever seen. 
There is no way the Senate leadership will, as the Democrat-controlled Senate, will allow that bill on the floor because it, it is a wedge issue. Democrats and Republicans agree on this, that this is outrageous. And as, as much as we care about and have compassion for people who are struggling, we also need to recognize the unique dignity of women and the rights of women to have privacy in their safe spaces, in their locker rooms, in, um, and you know even beyond that, in women's prisons and domestic violence shelters. But your daughter should be able to play against people that she actually can win for who are not biologically advantaged to beat her um, in, you know, their hearts, lungs, bones, in every single way. Um, that takes away the trophies and the ability of women. And these, it's taken us, you know, 50 years yes. <laughs> to get here. Title IX happened 50 years ago, and it's just shocking that people who, you know, would have been on the side of creating it today have turned against, you know, the very principles that were in place to create um, the, the, the ability to actually have Tunnel 9 to, to protect women so we actually can compete. Girls play high school sports at, you know, like 75% of girls play over their lifetime some sort of sport. Back in the day before this, it was like 20%. It was wow. the number have grown yeah. astronomically because of Title 9, and now we're going to undo it. Yeah, I got to tell you, it makes no sense to me. I, to me, the mere fact that the Democrats have destroyed the very essence of womanhood and, and all this advances that we've made as women, uh, you know, and girls being able to compete, uh, you know, in their sports and then now being threatened by, you know, the having biological males uh, play. And, you know, you and I think we can find a solution, but uh, obviously I think they're taking it. The Democrats and these uh, leftists are taking it too far. Uh, I do want to ask you one uh, question on uh, the changes that we're seeing in the media industry. Obviously, you've uh, been uh, in the you know public eye for a very long time. Uh, you've been on television. You're uh, you know outspoken on all of these really critical conservative issues. But we saw Don Lemon getting canned over at CNN, and then we've seen that Fox News and Tucker Carlson they've parted <laughs> ways as well. How do you think the media industry is reshaping itself, especially as we're entering into this next political season? You know, it's very interesting, and of course, I was sorry to see Tucker go. I've been on his show, and he did a great job, and, you know, I, I love Fox News. It's very sad to see. I was not surprised to see Don Lemon go, however. Yeah. He, you know, reporters that are not of my ilk, you know, behind the scenes have told me what a bully he is. He was so deeply disliked because of the way he right. treated women yeah. at CNN, and, like, was demeaning and mean and sometimes on even on camera. And so it's not shocking. I mean, he was a lawsuit waiting to happen for them. It, I'm surprised it took them so long to do it. Uh, Don Lemon needed to go. And so, you know, and I had been talking about that and tweeting about that for a while because I was seeing how he was treating, you know, the women on camera. And I know some of them. I right. mean, some of the things he said to them publicly and privately are just outrageous. And so there was no respect and, you know, it just couldn't continue. But, you know, I think we're at a time where we're gonna, we are seeing a shakeup. And I think you're going to see, 
you know, news outlets like Newsmax and others, you know, that are going to have more market mm -hmm. share and continue to grow. You know, the idea of, you know, the mainstream media having all the eyeballs, that is over. It is. And I think, I mean, I think it's bet more voices are better for us. And, you know, knowing Tucker Carlson, he probably already has, you know, a great plan. Whatever he does, he's going to make a bunch yeah. of money. We know that. Um, it's smart guy. And, um, you know, I wish the best for, you know, all of them. And um, but it is important for there to be strong voices, conservative voices out there. And it is very important that we have, you know, the ability to deliver the message. Yeah. It is great. Fox News broke the mold. You know, the left controlled all the almost all the airwaves. There were small you know, you know, small ways that we were trying to edge in. I remember Paul Wyrick had a network briefly uh, before he passed away. And so there, you know, it was fledgling and it really never took off. But then Fox, you know, broke the mold and, and became the powerhouse. And I think they'll continue, but I think there'll be others in the market. And I think that's good for everybody. Yeah. And I feel that these um, media corporations, they got to go back to the news, meaning you present different points of views as opposed to trying to completely influence how a mm -hmm. voter should vote, for example. Like present right. the information, have your establishment Republican on with your Trump's MAGA supporter, with your conservative supporter, mm -hmm. and have them hash it out. And the American voter is smart enough to decide which direction we need to lead this country. And I just think it's a healthier dialogue. I think that what's happening yes. in so many cases is that there is no room for debate. There's no room for discussion. And so I think that at the end of the day, I think that that hurts the ability of viewers to say, you know, I'm only getting one side of the story as opposed to getting just mixed opinions, which I think is so healthy in our republic. But, you know, people that I know that are on CNN, like yeah. people that are friends of mine, tell me behind the scenes that they edit their comments because they're afraid. Oh, absolutely. They're afraid to yeah. say what they really yeah. think yeah. on on some of these key issues because mm -hmm. the major networks, the left wing networks, are not going a going to allow you know there to be a free discussion. Yeah. And so I I'm with you. I think we all do better if we are actually able to share what we think and have a robust discussion. I mean CNN would bring more eyeballs if they would actually let us all hash it out. Yeah, no Don't kidding. be afraid of the opinion instead of, you know, canceling the Rick Santorums and others who, you know, don't share an opinion exactly like someone wants to hear it. Let's have the robust discussion and then, you know, let the viewers decide. But yeah. somehow they're afraid. And then, Penny, we're going to see you at CPAC Hungary. That's yeah. so exciting. I'm um, so what, excited to be there. Good. What, what's gonna, what are you looking forward to when you get to CPAC Hungary? Well, I'm always happy to be with CPAC conservatives. I mean, you know, these are great people, and I'm happy to meet conservatives that aren't from the United States. Yeah. I think Hungary is doing a great job of really, um, you know, growing, a, you know, their conservative movement and allowing us to interact with them and kind of share what's on our hearts and what we're doing and what we believe here in the United States. And I think we can all learn from each other. And of course, I've never been to Budapest, so I'm very excited to be there and bringing my husband. And I think it'll just be a great, a very warm time together to learn from each other. And I'm just, I'm happy. I'm, I'm very honored to be, in, to have been invited. Great. Well, we look forward to having you there. And thank you for joining me today uh, on CPAC Now. Thank you.
And remember, if you missed an episode, you can always go back and watch on our website. Just go to cpac.org now, or you can listen wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next time. God bless.